good. Are you ready to receive something today from the Lord? Are you ready to get something from God? Are you ready to take something in saying, Yabba, dabba, dabba, I want that? <laughs> okay, praise the Lord. So um, when I was asked to minister, um, probably because it was Mother's Day, and <clears throat> I'm a mom, Jerry isn't, and um, although he's a little bit more motherly sometimes, like when our kids would get sick, they'd say, Mom, when is Dad going to get home? Anyway, so um, praise the Lord. He's just good. He's a shepherd, tender, carer, that kind of person, so it works out well. So I asked the Lord um, what I should minister today since it is Mom's Day, and he gave me something to minister, and even though it's applicable to moms, it has appropriate place for every heart in life, okay? And so um, we're just going to get into the word today about some principles, uh, how to make life's different, how to make life different, how to make where we live and move and have our being a better place. And um, one of the things we have to understand as moms or anybody else in the earth, we have to understand the greatest need anyone has is spiritual. The greatest need anyone has is spiritual. It is the greatest need of all of humanity. Because if we can get the spiritual right, everything else will fall into line. If we can get spiritual right, everything falls into line. And we can get lost in all I need is more money or all I need is somebody to notice me or all I need is more friends or all I need is my body well or all I need is this to work. No, all you need is found in spiritual things. It's found in spiritual things. Everything you have need of is found out of the heart of God. Amen? So what we have to understand as moms or anyone else that we cannot put anything else in priority above finding that spiritual answer. That spiritual answer. We can't put anything else above the priority of discovering the spiritual answer. Because there is a spiritual answer for everything that's working right now on your heart and mind. There is a spiritual answer for all of it. And so we can't put anything in priority above spiritual if spiritual is our greatest need. Okay, let's keep moving. All right. So we need to understand that as moms, the greatest need our children have is a spiritual need. The greatest need our kids have is a spiritual need. They can be successful. They can make millions of money. They can be as fit and totally in tune physically with their body. But if they're on their way to hell, none of that matters. And sometimes what's happened is we've settled for natural success on the way to hell rather than spiritual success. And who cares what happens in this earth? See, because if we get the spirit right they will discover all the other components they need to live this life. Okay? The greatest need is spiritual need. We don't want to turn them off to call turn them away to college and they don't know God. We don't want them to move out and they don't have any idea how to resist the enemy. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? The greatest need is a spiritual need. Amen. And, um, you know, in, um, you know, what uh, we've been in the ministry, what, 30 years, something like that. I don't know. Anyway, um, we don't even know enough to take an offering at a church service. Huh? <laughs> Praise the Lord. I guess we're newbies. <laughs> anyway, so, um, but over the years, the thing I have found out is the greatest fear that moms have. And the greatest fear that moms have is that the world is going to swallow their kids. That the world and the world system is going to swallow their kids. Does any moms agree with that? The world system. We don't want them to be drug addicts. We don't want them to be all alone. We don't want them to fall away and do this. We don't want them to marry the wrong person. We don't want all of these things. All of these things we want right for our children. You know, and so the, the, when it comes down to it, the greatest concern a mom has is that the world is going to take them, that the world is going to take our kids. So with that being said, let's go over to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4, and it says this. It says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Now, look at that. We're concerned... The world is going to take our kids, but it says we have something that will overcome the world and keep the world from taking our kids, and that is our faith. Our faith. It does not say, and your relationship with your kids will keep the world from overcoming them. It does not say you being a perfect mom will overcome the world from taking them. It doesn't say anything that will overcome the world's pull on your kids except your faith. Your faith. Your faith will overcome the world. We could even read this scripture because it says, this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And so we could read this, our faith, will overcome the world. Our faith will overcome the world. Not my doing. Not, not my sacrifice. Not my smarts and intelligence. Not, not my abilities. None of this is what's going to keep the world off my kids. What's going to keep the world off my kids is my faith. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, so that removes all this huge, high standard, Cosmo cover way of being a mom. That removes all that. Because what I have to understand is, it is my faith that's going to get the world off of my kids. It's my faith that can get the world out of my kids. It is my faith that's going to protect my kids from the world system and all the dirt and junk in it, you know, and it becomes so important. If you look over at 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, it tells us some things about this and why we hate that system so much. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So what we see is two contrary things. 
we have the love of the world or we have the love of the Father. But it's, it's telling us right there that those two things do not cohabit. They do not live in the same vessel. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So we could also say it, if anyone loves the Father, the love of the world is not in him. And what has happened many times is we have been mediocre in our faith and okay with a little bit of world as long as they do know God. No, we want the love of God in them, not just the escapes of God, not just the delivering power of God. We want the love of God in our kids because then the love of the world will not be present in them. All right? And then it goes on in verse 16 and tells us a little bit what the world looks like. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So it gives us these criteria of what the world looks like. The world's full of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the, fly, uh, the, the, the flies, the lust of the flies. Perfect. The lust of the eyes. Maybe that's the way to say the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes at the same time. The lust of the flies. Okay. And the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world, okay? These things are in the world, but your faith, your faith can conquer the lust of the flesh. Your faith can conquer the lust of the eyes. Your faith can conquer the pride of life. And we want to conquer it because we want the love of the Father in them, not the love of this world, amen? Okay, so our faith can overcome the world's pull on our kids. Our faith can overcome the world's pull. Not our labor, not our close connection to them, not our good intentions about them, not our provision for them. It's your faith that's going to overcome the world. And what happens is we have to move ourselves as men and women of God, into a position of faith that we don't do what we feel we ought to do, but we do what we know is right according to our faith in raising our kids. Because whoever we yield to has the authority of our life. And if we yield to, I don't want to do that. I, I want you to do this. And, yeah, and you need to do this for me, Mom. And you need to do this for me. If we start yielding to their emotions and how they're feeling and what they want, they take a place of authority in our life. How many of you have ever been manipulated by your kids? Every mom's hand just about went up. <laughs> you know, you can get manipulated by them. And the reason we can get manipulated is we set a precedence of following their voice when it wasn't the voice of the Father. But if the voice of the Father will always put faith in us that will overcome the world's pull. But instead, we might feel obligation because of we believe that's the way we are going to win them is by doing everything they request of us, everything they want from us, 
and we've become their savior and the system of the world now has got them because they found if they've got the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and pride of life operating in them, they can just lay it on mom and she'll take care of it. And we be, find out that we are actually enhancing the spirit of the world rather than killing the love of the world. Hallelujah. Are we okay? All right. All right. But remember, it's our faith that makes us victorious parents against the world system. All right. So since it's our faith, I thought I'd look up some of these words about faith because it's our faith. All right. Now, Pastor Jerry has ministered many times about faith, total persuasion, total conviction, trust, total reliance and total dependence. So I wanted to go a little bit deeper, and this is what the word reliance means. To rest or repose of mind. A rest or repose of mind. Resulting from a full belief of the integrity of the other. A certainty of fact, a trust, a confidence, and dependence. This is what faith is. Faith is a reliance, okay? It is a resting in my mind as a result of knowing the integrity of my father. I can rest in my mind because I know the integrity of God. So I can't be driven by obligation. I can't be pushed into responsibility. Instead, I'm resting in my mind on the, in, the integrity of the Father of what He has promised, is what reliance is. Okay? Now, dependence. Dependence is this a connection by which one is sustained by another. Okay? That's what dependence is. If there's a parasite, is depending on you, that parasite can't live without you, right? Okay, um, nursing infants are dependent on their mother. They can't live without that mother, okay? And this is dependence. Now, this is what our faith is supposed to look like, this total reliance and total dependence on God, okay? And it goes on to say dependence is a trust or a resting on, but it comes down to this, an inability to sustain itself without the aid of the other. An inability to sustain itself without the aid of the other. Now, this is what's happened sometimes. We have, you know, even the IRS calls it your dependence, right? How many dependents do you have? Well, it depends. According to you, zero. But according to the work I have, about 300, okay? You know, um, they maybe need a different word. But um, so what we have to understand is the idea of God is for us to depend on him that we don't have the ability 
to sustain ourselves without his aid and assistance. But we were never supposed to be the one that our children forever depended upon. We were never to be that one. We were to be the one that taught them in who we depended on so that they too eventually would depend on that same one. That they would depend on that same one. That they would come to the place in their life that they have no ability to sustain themselves without the aid of God. Without the aid of God. And this is what we're trying to get to. But at, at this point, we're talking about, we need to understand as, an, as a parent that we do not have the ability to sustain ourselves enough to overcome the world in another's life if we don't lean on God. Leaning on the prayer team is not going to get you with a mind that's in rest or repose that you're not unconcerned about your kids. Do you understand? From the moment your child is born, God doesn't want you to ever be concerned about whether or not they're going to serve him. He doesn't ever want you to be concerned about what their life is going to look like, what it's going to act like. What he wants is follow me and that will be the harvest of it. That will be the fruit of it. Just follow God. Just follow God and all the chaos that the world has to offer will not even be an enticement to them. Amen. We have to come to the place where we know we don't have the ability in ourselves for the life of God. We do not have the ability within ourselves for the life of God, you know, and for some reason, you know, moms are good about this because you know why? Because our mandate is a helpmate. Our mandate is a helpmate. So we're always helping. We're always helping. We're always helping. We help them. We help them. Maybe too much sometimes. You know, maybe. Maybe more than we should. <laughs> you, know, you understand what I'm saying? Maybe too much. Because when we go to helping in a way that we're not mandated by the Lord, what we are doing is we are saying, I got this, God. It's my kid. And all along, we're supposed to be saying to our kids, Psst. okay? And then we get lost in this thing. Of, I'm just going to be the testimony of God in their life. It's better that you testify of him to their life. Am I in trouble? Okay. Hallelujah. See, we have to understand in raising our kids, God doesn't need our help. He needs our obedience. He doesn't need our help. He needs our obedience is what God needs. Okay. But see, you know, and somebody one time said to me, you know, a mother's love is the closest thing there is to God's love. And this, and you know, and I knew what they were saying, you know, a mom doesn't see faults, doesn't see all these things. You know, you've heard about the kid only a mother could love, you know what I mean? All those phrases and all those kind of things. 
But the truth of it is that really isn't the way it is because a mama bear's love loves their kids at the expense of any other. And God's love loves everybody. Amen. You understand what I mean? Because, uh, you know, when you, when, you, when you turn into a mama bear, you don't care the expense of anybody else's children or anybody else's life. This is my kid, and this is... That isn't the way God is. Amen. So, um, so we have to understand this. When it comes to raising kids and having... And see, this, this faith that overcomes the world does not say in their first 12 years or their first 18 years. No, your faith can overcome the world even if your children are gray-headed. They're old, you know what I'm saying? And you might be past children, you might be on to grandchildren and great-grandchildren or great-great-grandchildren, whatever it is, you know, but still your faith can overcome the world. Your reliance on God your dependence on God, your understanding that I am unable to raise mighty women and men of God from my children without your help, just not possible. Just not possible. The most, um, the, the um, thing that the Lord does not want is you to get weary and worn out as being a mom. But we get weary and worn out when we're carrying what we should be allowing the Lord to carry in their life. We got to let the Lord carry it in their life. Amen. And sometimes what happens is we get so spent that we are left at the end in exhaustion. And so then we go to God. We should learn how to go to God in the beginning, not at our end when we have nothing else to give, when we have nothing else to offer, when we're exhausted, when we're worn out, when we don't know what to do. See, all up until this point, we've been doing what we felt we ought to do. You know, um, the story of Mary and Martha, you know, um, the one thing about Martha is she also had this thing. If I don't do it, nobody else will. And that's a danger for moms. If I don't do it, who's going to do it for them? I don't know. Maybe they'll have to pray about it. Maybe they'll have to ask the Lord. Because God isn't ready to forsake your kids any more than you are. Hallelujah. So let's keep, are we, are we okay? Any toes hurting? Okay. All right. Praise the Lord. Feet heal. Right? Okay, let's go over to Romans 10, uh, 17. We're going to talk about how to develop this attitude of total reliance and dependence on God. How are we going to get this? Because this is, you understand, faith is the greatest tool because by faith we can overcome the world. If you're struggling from addictions, if you're struggling with um, weariness, if you're struggling with anything that the world has out there, you can overcome it. You can overcome it. You can overcome it. But it's going to require faith to overcome it. See, we want to bear arms. We want to take up swords. We want to get on our knees. No, just exercise your faith. Exercise the fact that I am totally relying on God. If this kid turns out rotten, it's your fault, not mine, because I followed you. 
If this kid ends up in a mess in his life, it isn't me, it's you. Because I have confidence that you are able to keep anything I have dedicated and committed to you. So do what you can do, God. I'm done. Sometimes you have to come to that with your adult kids. You have to come to that. Because it's my confidence in what God is going to do, not in my ability to exhaust myself and push it through. It is my confidence in what God is able to do. He is able to talk to them when they won't listen to me. He is able to move their heart where I don't even know it. He is able to change their mind regardless of how much persuasion I put out there. My confidence is in what you're doing, God. And you know what? That is so nice because then I don't have to be perfect. Amen. So in this passage of scripture, it tells us how we can come to that place of reliance and dependence. How we can come to that place. It says, Sen, then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So maybe I'm lacking this reliance and dependence on God concerning children, concerning finance, concerning health, concerning any other thing. I'm lacking the faith to overcome it. Well, right here it tells you how faith is going to come. Faith is going to come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The um, Passion Translation says this, faith is birthed in the heart. Faith is birthed in the heart. So maybe you don't have confidence of the future of your children. Maybe you don't have confidence of they're going to have the right friends. Maybe you don't have confidence they're going to fall into the right career. Maybe you don't have confidence that they're going to have the right spouse. But what you can do is you can build that faith to come into that place of absolute reliance and dependence on God where it's no longer my work but His work that's making it happen. And you can build that By hearing and hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. In fact, the Young's literal translation says this. Faith is by a report and that report by the saying of God. That's the original translation of that. Faith is by a report and that report by the saying of God. Okay, now the reason that's necessary is because faith comes when you hear something. Faith comes when you hear something. I want you to understand because you read this word doesn't mean you've heard anything. Just reading this word doesn't mean you've heard anything that is going to birth faith in you. It comes out of a saying of God. Okay? And so we have to understand that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That word word in the Greek is rhema, which means a personal revelation, a personal breathing. Okay? You can hear a lot of Bible and it never be a personal revelation, a breathing inside of you, okay? You can hear lots of word and it never breathe anything on in the inside of you. 
because this word hearing is about something done inwardly. In fact, the word hearing here means it literally will change perspective or viewpoint and have a personal effect. Okay, I'm going to rattle my kids. So the other day, um, kids and kid-in-laws. So the other day, and this was cute to me, Micah is standing there telling Seth something. And she's telling him, telling him something about something. And something, and something. She said, okay. And he said, I wasn't really listening to you after she got all the way through it. And right there, I knew I needed to use that in this sermon to fix them. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's not true. But I, that's so much, so much of the time. See, we could be hearing there's word being preached, there's word being said, but we're not hearing it. We're not hearing it as a personal, that it's changing our perspective, changing our viewpoint, changing me and affecting me personally in the inward man. All right? The, um, um, let's, let's look at Luke 8, and I'll show you how this happens. Because we're talking about getting faith for something. In verse 22, it says, Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. Now, what did Jesus say? Go to the other side. Is anybody besides Jerry see that? Okay. All right. Go to the other side. And so they launched out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. Why? He's going to the other side. Okay. And a windstorm came down on the lake and they were filling with water and were jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke saying, master, master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water and they ceased and there was a great calm and he said to them, where is your faith? What he's saying is, I spoke something to you personally and you didn't hear it. You didn't hear what I said. I said something to you and you never heard it so it never built faith in you that regardless of windstorms, we're going the other side. They were told we're going to the other side, but they didn't get it because they only heard it here. They didn't hear it here. When Jesus said, we're going to the other side, they didn't hear it down here. It didn't change their perspective. It didn't change the way they saw the storm. It didn't change them. It didn't have any effect on them because they're still living subject to the storm that could stop it from bringing it to pass. See, there, and he says to them, where's your faith? So they didn't have a personal encounter with the word that they, he had said that it produced faith in them that came hell or high water, we're going to the other side. So that tells me that they didn't hear the word that would have produced faith in them. Are you following what I'm saying? They didn't hear that word. So because they didn't hear that word and faith wasn't produced, they had no ability to overcome the world. Do you understand what I'm saying here? 
See, they didn't hear something in here. They had lots of Jesus' instructions always all around them, but they never let his instruction give birth to faith on the inside of them that said, we're going to the other side. All right? Now let's look at another one. Let's go to Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27. And this is somebody else. This is Paul right now in the midst of a ship. Uh, he's in the midst of the sea being tossed and turned by the wind. Okay? And we don't know how long exactly this is. What we do know is after three days of it, they threw the cargo off the ship. So we know it's longer than three days. And then it says, and there was many more days that the sun hadn't shined. They hadn't seen the sun or the stars. And so we don't know how long they are into this turmoil of this tempest on the sea. But then um, we read here in verse 24 when um, Paul stands up and says to the um, commander of the ship, do not be, or the Lord is telling him, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So this is what the Lord is speaking to Paul while he's in the midst of all this chaos. He's in the midst of this chaos, and the Lord tells him, you're going to be brought before Caesar, okay? So what that tells him is what's going to happen in his future, right? What's going to happen is in future. And, you know, just a side thing, it says, and God has granted you all those who sail with you. So obviously, Paul was in intercession for everybody that was accompanying him. And he got the souls of every one of them saved. All right? So he said, you must be brought before Caesar. Let's go on to the next verse. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe, God, that will be just as it was told me. They're in the midst of a storm. And he reiterates to them, this is what God has told me. And what God has told me has affected my perspective. It's affected my viewpoint. It's affected everything that's going on around me. I'm not moved off of what God has told me. I believe, meaning this, I have faith because what he has said has been birthed in me, a type of faith that will not cower at the circumstance. He had faith for it. Now, if we look at the life of Paul then, eventually they get shipwrecked on an island. But I want you to notice something. Then a snake comes out and bites Paul on the hand when they're at this island. And it says that he just shook it off. And they, first the natives thought, oh, he was a bad guy. That's why a snake came and bit him. And then they saw nothing happened to him. And they said, oh, maybe he's a god right? Here's the thing. The apostle Paul had allowed that thought that I've got to appear before Caesar to get in him so deeply that if a snake came and bit him, he shook it off. Why? I'm going to Caesar. That one word that, that got birthed within him produced enough faith that every situation that would come against him, he never deviated from it. He didn't that snake bite him and then, oh, no, God must have been wrong. No, I have faith. I'm going to Caesar. That's what happened. That word burst so much faith in him that nothing could quench that in him. Amen? 
All right, let's look over at Matthew 14. Matthew 14, a passage of scripture that we've seen many, 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 many times. In verse 28, and here we have, okay, again, the wind is, they're crossing to the other side. Jesus has told them to go to the other side, and they get in the boat because Jesus sends them away ahead of time. And the, the water is whoosh, 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 you know, the boat's filling up with water. There's tempests, there's winds, there's waves, you know, all those kind of things you want to do, you know, on Splash Mountain, but not across the sea. Anyway, so it's all filling up and the water's filling in. And all of a sudden, here comes Jesus walking on the water. He's walking on the water. And Peter says, Lord, if it's you, ask me to come. And what does Jesus say? Come. So Peter gets out and walks on the water. But what he's really walking on is his faith in the word come. He's walking on the water on the word Jesus said come. I was going to ask you, if you are in a situation like that, and it was Jesus walking on the water, and he said, do you come when you get out? I would. If I knew it was Jesus, whatever he said, I'd step out on that. I'd step out on whatever he said. He said, come. But then what happened? So he's got that word that impacted him that produced faith because it was total reliance and total dependence on the word come. Total leaning, not about his ability to walk. Total leaning on the fact that come has been put before him and come went inside of him and he said, okay, I can walk. But then the wind, remember this is not calm glass water that he's walking on. There's chaos out here. There's chaos. And once he started studying the chaos, once he started looking at the chaos, the faith in the word come shrivels up. It's gone now. And he begins to sink. It's not because the word come wasn't still impacting. It wasn't because the word come wasn't spoken from Jesus' mouth. It was because he allowed something to crowd out that word that Jesus spoke. And in fact, Jesus said, oh, you of little faith? And that little faith talks about a burst of faith. Well, something that goes, whoop, also goes, whoop. Right? And what happened is he heard Jesus say, come. So he stepped out, but then he looked around, and all the faith that he was walking on, the word come, evaporated. And we have to understand that the enemy always wants to shrink us back from that word we originally heard that impacted and changed our life. He always is pressing against that, pressing against that. Hallelujah. So we have here that um, uh, how to not hear and, let it, and it doesn't produce any faith. Um, we have the fact that Paul heard, and it produced a faith that carried him through multiple circumstances. We have here Peter that had a burst of faith, but then it was quenched. 
you know, and, but what we have to understand that every person that moved out to do a great exploit had more than just written word. They had a personal word that was birthed within them that caused them to have a different perspective, a different viewpoint, and it affected them. It affected them. All right. Um, you know, we have great men of God that have gone before us. Oral Roberts laying on a deathbed. Here's the word of the Lord says, you will take healing to the nations. See, he had this word, but this wasn't the word he'd heard. This word is a blueprint that gives us identity that the word we hear in our inner man is confirmed through this word. This is the checks and balances of the personal word we heard that we're supposed to get faith on. Amen? I'll explain more of that in a little bit. We have, you know, um, uh, for myself, I'll just, you know, because I've said this many times. The day we got married, the Lord spoke something to me about my marriage because Jerry was kind of high risk to, to marry, okay? I'm just going to tell you the way it is. It was kind of high risk. My mama didn't think so, but she might have been the only one in the whole world. Anyway, but, um, but I got a word from the Lord. And once I got a word from the Lord, it didn't matter what else happened in our marriage. Because that word anchored me in faith to what God was going to do. Amen? So I want to look for something really quickly here. Um, we're going to look at three passages of Scripture that say the same thing. It says the just live by faith. So Romans 1, 17 is the first place we're going to look. So it says this, for in it, talking about the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith that is written, the just shall live by faith. Now that word just there is qualifying who it is. And in this particular passage of scripture, it's talking about Jews and Greeks and anybody that'll believe. So anybody that will believe can live by faith, meaning there is no qualifying according to race, sex, nationality, um, stature, status, nothing. Anybody can live by faith. Now, incidentally, whenever a scripture is repeated multiple times, it means that there is more emphasis on it by the Father. More emphasis by the Father. And this particular passage of Scripture is repeated three times in the New Covenant. All right? God wants us to live by faith. All right? But the first place it's quoted in Romans 1.17 tells us who can do it. Anybody, the just, the righteous, those that know God can live by faith. The next one is found in Galatians 3.11. And in this particular one, it says, no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident for the just shall live by faith. Meaning we don't live by doing everything right. We live by believing he is always right. My living in God is not according to my right and wrongdoing. My living in God is according to what Jesus has purchased. Yes. Yes. Amen. 
So it's not by the law doing my own works of righteousness. This instead is I'm living by what he has done. Amen. And the last place it talks about this scripture is in Hebrews 10, 38. And he says this, the just will live by faith. And if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So he's wanting us to live in total reliance, total dependence on him for everything in this life. And if I draw back, that's not pleasing to him. Now think about that. He wants us to live totally relying and depending on him and not drawing back, not drawing back. Well, God's probably not going to do this for me. That's drawing back. That's drawing back. Okay. So we can understand if in all of these scriptures that we overcome the world by our faith. So we're going to overcome the world if we never draw back. And we are confident and believe and rely on what he has done. So let's go back to that. Um, we overcome the world by our faith. I overcome by total reliance and on dependence of what God has done. I re rest in that. All right. Let's go over to Hebrews chapter 4. Are you keeping up? A lot of stuff, isn't there? Hebrews 4. And this is the place God intends for us to get. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. Now, I could ask in here, how many of you feel totally rested? There's nothing, pro no problem, no pressure, nothing bearing down on you, nothing leaning against you, and very few, if any, hands would go up. But yet there's a rest for the people of God. Next verse, please. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. So there's a rest when it's not about our work. To get the plan of God's not according to our work. We can work our tails off and never get the manifestation of God. And that's what he's saying. That's not intended for the people of God. That was not the intention of the Lord for the people of God. He intended the people of God to be able to rest in what he has done. Go on to the next verse, please. And then it says, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. Now, it's interesting that word diligent there means to labor, to make every effort, to be zealous and exert oneself, to make haste and strain every nerve. Well, that doesn't, that seems like an oxymoron. Strain every nerve to get into rest. That doesn't make any sense. But what he's saying is, if you're going to apply yourself, and put strength out there. Put your strength out there to find rest. Not trying to get a result. Find a rest. Look for a rest. So that tells me if this rest is supposed to come, how am I going to get it? He goes on in verse 12 and says, For 
The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So this is what he's asking me. He's saying this, okay, because this word here, this word, word, is not rhema, meaning a word he's spoken to me. This word is a word declared or decreed. So what he's telling me is this. Are you ready? He's saying this. You're going to have to rest by faith, okay? In that passage of scripture, it talks about this is all by faith. There is a rest that's according to faith. So what happens to me is this. I am in pursuit, straining every nerve, diligent, and looking for that word that will penetrate my perspective and viewpoint, that will get in me and cause faith to come. That's what I'm looking for. That word from the Lord about this situation. I'm not looking how to fix the situation. I'm looking for the word of God about this situation. And it'll come in me, change my perspective, give me faith. And then it says, for the word of God is living and powerful. It's not just referencing this. It's referencing then that word you've got in your heart, that word that came and gave you faith, that word that changed your perspective, then it says it's a word decreed. So then when I decree that, what is impacting me, it becomes living and powerful and changing the circumstance. But if I haven't got any personal impact word, I'm out here trying to find something to change the circumstance. So where my diligence is, I got to hear from God. I got to hear from God about my kids. I got to hear from God about my health. I got to hear a word from God. And I can't make up a word. And I can't get God to say a word I want. This is a genuine, I heard from God. It's a genuine, I heard from God on this. And many moms, many dads have never heard a word about their kids. Never heard a word about their kids. Never heard God personally speak something to them that will anchor them that their perspective is forever changed. Never heard something. Maybe people have never heard something the Lord say about their finances. Never heard the Lord say anything about anything. I remember years ago when we were eating Top Ramen. And um, we were in such a situation that I couldn't eat during the day. Or Jerry wouldn't have food and he was working. So I knew it was easier for me to fast daily. We eat one meal together at night. But that I could pack a sandwich. The slices of bread were numbered at our house. And so I remember making the bed one morning, calling on the Lord, and he spoke to me. And he said, these days will pass shortly, and you'll never encounter them again. Remember to tithe. And I've never, I've never been moved that we're going to run out. But it wasn't because I just read, my God supplies all my needs. It because... Faith isn't on that if I don't hear that. Faith is on the word God speaks to you. Now, the importance of this is this is a blueprint. 
But a blueprint is not substance. A blueprint is just that, a blueprint. So you know if the construction builders come with this kind of fireplace, oh, no, here's the blueprint. That doesn't go in this blueprint. That doesn't fit here. The fact that I can just um, uh, hoard up and not be generous doesn't fit in the blueprint of this. So that is not my avenue of blessing. See, because this is the blueprint. And we want to study the blueprint, study the blueprint, which is right. But eventually, the blueprint has to take on substance that God speaks to me something about it. Because when God speaks, I have faith. And this is why we have so many faith failures. Because we assume if we read it, God has to do it. He didn't say it to you yet on the inside. And it's not because he's not talking. It's because you're not straining every nerve and being diligent to hear personally what he's saying. All right? Hallelujah. Hebrews 11, 1 says it this way. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So we have this blueprint of the word of God that gives us understanding and clarity of what it is that God will speak. This tells me the end result of everything God is going to say to me. The end result of everything God is going to say to me is blessing. The end result of everything God is going to say to me is abundance. The end result of everything God's going to say to me is unlimited possibility. This is the blueprint. This is the layout of it. But when I get a specific word, when I hear come, when I hear obey, when I hear do this, then my faith goes off on that and it doesn't matter what else happens. Because the blueprint confirms the word that he spoke to me and now I've got faith to conquer the world. Now, i got to um, uh, leave you with one more thing about this, then we can go. All right? So um, this is the example he gave me of this. So he spoke to me this. Just a minute, I'll, I'll tell you, Jer. He spoke to me this. Now, this is, pretend this is faith, okay? Um, or um, this, is, this is my jacket, okay? Okay? And what happens is we have this blueprint of faith, okay? And this is where we sometimes make mistakes, all right? This is the same. If faith is the substance of things hoped for, out of Hebrews 11, the evidence of things not yet seen. So this is my blueprint. This is, this is what I know should be true. This should be mine to wear. This should be mine to have. This should be. And it's got all the workings of the blessing of the Lord. Okay? It's got um, healing for my body, prosperity in my bank account, my kids saved serving God, my marriage whole, my life working. It's got all of that. But the situation is this blueprint has created a hope in me. It's created a picture in me. I agree with that. I agree with that doctrine. God wants you healed. I agree with that. God wants you prosperous and blessed. I agree with that. 
God wants your kids fervent serving the Lord. I agree with that. God wants not one in your household lost. I agree with that. But I'm not wearing that. It's available to me, but I'm not wearing it. I don't have it on. I'm not living by faith. I am agreeing with the faith doctrine. I'm agreeing with the faith doctrine. I'm agreeing that is the way God wants it to be. I'm agreeing that is the intention of the Lord. I agree with that. But then one day in prayer, the Spirit of the Lord says to me, this and this is going to happen in your life. Well, where I'm at right now, it don't look like it's going to happen. Okay? Like Oral Roberts, you're going to take healing to the nations. He's dying from tuberculosis. Right? But what happens is when that spoken word from the Father comes to you, that it comes personal. Personal. I've heard from the Lord. This is going to happen. This is not going to happen. I have heard from the Lord. Then what happens, I put on that hope, that blueprint, and now it's faith and I'm living and walking in it. And it doesn't matter what's coming against me. The shield of faith is protecting me. The shield of faith. Because God has said something to me. That lines up with the blueprint that built hope in me, and now I know. Now, this is another problem we have. You have to take it. I got a word. I got a word about something to do. In fact, um, I'll just use the one I use. So, I got a word about um, my marriage that if I would trust the Lord in this, He'll build something bigger than I can ever imagine. Okay, I got a word. Now, I have shared that testimony enough times that other young couples getting married have wanted to use that same word. But the problem is, it wasn't spoken to them. So they try to put on the word spoken to me, and it doesn't fit. <laughs> It doesn't fit. Why? Because it didn't produce faith in him. He didn't hear it. I heard it. It was meant for me to live and walk in. It wasn't meant for him to live and walk in. You cannot borrow somebody else's rhema and get faith from it. You can't borrow somebody else's rhema word. You have to get the word from, for the Lord for yourself. So you put your ear up there. What are you saying about this? What are you doing about this? We've even had people in our life that um, had words of the Lord about their children. And they were in a car, their child was in a car accident, a severe car accident. And then it says they wage war about those prophetic words. And they stood, and they stood in total rest and confidence. No, I've already got the word of the Lord about this outcome of their life. This will not happen. And they could remain in rest because they got faith from the word spoken to them. Amen? And then you wear it because it fits you. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, 
Here's the last thought I'm going to leave you with. Last night, I was going to sleep. The Spirit of the Lord held me awake just a little bit longer, and he said this. He said this. There are way too many of my people leaving too much on the table that I have already bought and paid for them. Too many things are left on the table that Jesus bought and paid for. Jesus paid for your kids to serve God. Every one of them. Jesus paid for it. Don't leave it on the table. Put your ear to the things of the spirit where faith comes and you can overcome the world with your faith and make it different. Jesus bought and paid for every believer to live in prosperity. Well, he's not doing that for me. What did you hear from him? See, maybe you haven't heard the word that produces faith that you can combat the darkness with. All you need is a word. And in Peter's case, all he had to have was come. So we need to start stirring our ears to hear the word. And the word is going to come while we continue in the blueprint. While we keep looking at the blueprint. Keep looking at the blueprint. And the word will come. And that word will birth faith in you that you can overcome the world. Amen. Did you get something here today? Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash WOVictory or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.